I'm Michael Mutter with Rooster Lane Farms in Nacogdoches, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, over-the-counter animal antibiotics are no longer available. Sunday was the first day that you had to have a prescription for all classes of animal antibiotics. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. What happens with corn is very important to Texas High Plains agriculture, both for the farmers who grow it and the livestock producers who buy it. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the corn situation. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and in my report today, we'll have the latest numbers on U.S. pork and beef exports. That's just ahead on Texas Ag Today. There's a bit of a news buzz about the Texas bee population. Texas bee numbers are poised for a rebound in 2023. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Saturday was the last day you could buy animal antibiotics over the counter. On Sunday, the new regulation went into effect that put the last three over-the-counter antibiotics into the prescription category. Dr. Tom Hairgrove is an extension veterinarian for Texas A&M AgriLife. 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have much except tetracyclines and penicillin and Tylenol. Those are the drugs we had. Anything else, we either you had to get compounded or whatever. That was before we got things like Batrol and you know Nuflor and uh, Mycotil and all these other drugs. They're all script. They all come in under prescription. What this last effort is, is to take the last three antibiotics, which is the tetracyclines, the penicillins, and Tylen, and then put them under prescription. This emphasizes the need to have a working relationship with your local veterinarian. Hairgrove says that relationship can do a lot more for you than just give you access to antibiotics. The corn crop is looking great in central Texas this year. Rodney Schronk farms in Hill County between Dallas and Waco. I would say our corn crop's about as pretty as I can remember in many years. The corn has really done well. Uh, it's really, compared to the last several years, about as nice a corn crop as we've had. So it's very exciting if we can just get some timely June rains. 
But cotton is a whole different story. It's a mess. That's <laughs> the only way I know to put it. It's just we've had too much cool, cloudy weather and too much rain, and we just can't get our cotton crop growing. And it's been too wet to replant it. So for Hill County, Texas, anyway, the big story right now is, you know, there's not a lot of cotton being grown this year. Schrock says he's trying to get his wheat crop harvested right now, but the rains are making that a difficult task. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association estimates 4,000 cattle are dead due to recent flooding in the Hereford area. TCFA President and CEO Ben Weinheimer says the flooding affected 12 different feedlots in more than just Hereford. Say northern Castro County and southern Desmith County, and that's kind of what I would describe as that Hereford area down towards the Friona corridor, kind of along Highway 60, where so much of this heavy rainfall really overtax the capacity of these county roads and bar ditches and other drainage ditches. Weinheimer says the area experienced 8 to 11 inches of rain in only a few hours during the Memorial Day weekend. The Texas High Plains corn crop is very important for both the farmers who grow it and the livestock producers who buy it. James Hunt takes a look at the corn situation in the Texas Panhandle. This could wind up being a good year for corn in Texas, including hopefully here in the High Plains region. David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says the impact of a rainy start to the season is showing up all around the state. We've got one of the best corn crops that I've probably seen in my 20 plus years of working with corn growers from the Red River Valley down to the Rio Grande. Now, when we get air here on the high plains, lots of rain has brought some challenges. It's delayed some planting. Uh, We've had some hail that has done some damage. We've had standing water that's reduced some acres. But, you know, those saying is rain makes rain, and uh, we certainly had the rain, and we'll see how that comes out at the end of the year as far as our production here on the high plains. Now, while we're off to a wet start, there's a lot of concern about expanding drought up in the Corn Belt. And Gibson says things are setting up for what could be a volatile weather market this season. Every weather report going through the summer, I think, is going to have an impact on what we're really going to see in prices for this fall and what the real numbers will be. And with the weather situation in the Midwest driving the markets, prices will be closely watched by our local farmers and our local livestock producers. Now, speaking of grain, there's an opportunity coming up soon that provides something for everyone involved in buying or selling grain. Texas A&M AgriLife is now accepting registration for grain grading workshops that will be conducted August 1st and 2nd in Amarillo. First time in four years that the grain grading workshops have been offered. More on those events in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2023 is turning out to be a good year for pork exports, while beef exports are down a bit. Tom Nicoletti has more. 
My guest today is Ryan Morehouse from Amarillo. He is general manager of Hartley Feeders in the Texas Panhandle. He is also the beef sector representative on the U.S. Meat Export Federation's executive committee. Ryan, you attended the recent U.S. MEF Spring Conference up in Minneapolis. What did you learn about red meat exports into world markets? Well, so far it's been a pretty good year for the pork industry. Their exports this year are above last year's exports, Mexico being the biggest increase for the pork industry. Of course, in Mexico, we're up considerably over last year, so that's definitely a plus. The pork industry in general has been struggling a little just from a profitability standpoint due to supplies and prices. So uh, kind of tough times as far as industry, but the exports look promising and hopefully give them a little bit of a boost. Beef industry exports are off of last year's numbers. Of course, we're coming off a record year last year, so to say they're off is, is not a great thing, but last year being record definitely makes it sound a little better. I believe exports are off approximately 8% from 2022's numbers. First quarter was a little bit of a struggle, but second quarter we're seeing a rebound and the numbers are coming up and and getting closer to what we had last year in the second quarter of 2022. So a slow start to the beef exports, but looking better now. Aren't uh, supplies uh, down when it comes to beef? Yes, definitely a challenging time ahead. We're coming out of the drought period and coming out of a period we've taken quite a few native cows, domestic cows, out of the market and have gone to slaughter. And uh, with the dry conditions, farmers and ranchers were forced to do that. So the number of uh, cattle being placed on grass and in the feed yards have come down. Placements into the feed yards have been off for the past six months. That is Ryan Morehouse of Texas. He is on the executive committee for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's some good news about the Texas bee population. Gary Joyner tells us we could see a rebound in bee populations soon. There's some good news about the Texas bee population. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service says our state's bee numbers are in good shape for late spring and early summer recovery. Drought and other harsh weather conditions knocked them back in recent years. Improved forage and nectar-producing resources this year means more honey production for Texas beekeepers. A proliferation of the types of wildflowers bees prefer for gathering their nectar has beekeepers opt. Optimistic. Texas typically ranks sixth among states for honey production. Plus, bees are critical in agricultural production. Bees are responsible for pollinating 75% of the world's flowering plants and 35% of the world's crops. Honeybees are the most common pollinator. It is estimated that the honeybees' annual contribution to the U.S. economy is at least $15 billion. More than 90 different crops, about one-third of total crop production, production in the U.S. depend on bees for their survival. Bees also pollinate crops that feed cattle, such as clover and alfalfa, making them very important to both the beef, cattle, and dairy industries. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Help is on the way for Texas landowners who may be struggling to manage the fish in their ponds. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And lots of performance horses receive joint injections for joint disease. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? I'll listen to the what's coming up and you yeah, can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lots of performance horses receive joint injections for joint disease. Dr. Bob Judd says these injections may cause laminitis in some horses. A review of the literature was recently published to determine if corticosteroid use in joints can cause laminitis. A group of researchers performed a review of the literature of horses that had joints injected with corticosteroids. Only one article investigated the relationship between the incidence of laminitis with corticosteroid therapy given in the joints and three other studies looked at multiple routes of administration, including medication given in the joints. The article showed a low evidence of laminitis following intraarticular corticosteroid injection. In 205 cases treated with the corticosteroid triamcinolone, only one case developed laminitis, but this horse had a history of laminitis. Another study showed about 3 to 4% of the horses treated with corticosteroids developed laminitis, but the routes of administration were not all in the joints. However, no evidence of the medication causing the first episode of laminitis was found. So of the horses that developed laminitis, all had previously had an episode. However, the authors found very little published data regarding corticosteroids injected in joints to cause laminitis. One of the studies used a control group with a similar number of laminitis cases, so the medication was not related in these cases. Also, no minimum dosage of corticosteroids was found, to cause laminitis. Although laminitis in these articles was uncommon, I think we have to realize that some horses with equine metabolic disease or Cushing's disease may be more susceptible to laminitis, and using concern about injecting these horses with corticosteroids is a good idea. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Help is on the way for Texas landowners who may be struggling to manage the fish population in their ponds. Jessica Domo has more in today's wildlife report. If you have a stock tank or a pond that just isn't producing the fish you'd like, you may want to tune in to an upcoming webinar hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Dr. Todd Sink, an extension aquaculture specialist and director of the Texas A&M Aquatic Diagnostic Laboratory, will lead the webinar on the best effective and science-based methods to manage fish in ponds from 6 to 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday, June 20th. Dr. Sink will be joined in the webinar by Brittany Chesser, extension aquatic vegetation program specialist. During the webinar, the two will discuss various aspects of fish management, like pond food chains, fertilization programs, fish feeds and feeding techniques, fish population sampling, common issues that can impact fish populations, and strategies for growing high volumes of fish, trophy fish, and individual species management. Dr. Sink said this is a great opportunity to learn concepts that can radically improve fish production in your ponds. He said these methods take time and effort, but following these recommendations has a proven record of meeting pond owner goals, whether they're fishing for fun, 
food trophies or all three. At the end of the webinar, there will be a dedicated 30-minute question and answer session where participants can ask specific questions about their fish management. Registration for that webinar is underway now. Cost is $35. You can register at tx.ag backslash fish management program. A link is available on today.agrilife.org. Today.agrilife.org. On that website, simply search fish management webinar. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market continued to climb higher Monday despite a big jump in corn prices. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skill loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market continued to climb on Monday despite a big jump in the corn market. Now that futures market continues at a big discount to cash, so it's still trying to play catch up. We finished higher on most contracts, but we did trade mix throughout the day. As we wrapped it up on the close, June live cattle were up 85 cents, 179.07. August up a dollar 35, 173.20. With October live cattle up a dollar 67, 176.47. Same thing on the feeder cattle market. August feeders up five cents, 239.05. September feeders up 37, 242.07. With the October up 62 cents, 244.12. Cash-fed cattle market wrapping up last week with another record price for our region here in Texas. We sold cattle at 185. That's five bucks higher than the previous week. As you move north, Kansas had prices ranging from 185 to 188, and the Northern Plains sold cattle on a live basis from 189 to 193. Dressed prices 300 to 304. Now let's check the sale barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, my guest, San Saba sale on Thursday. Ken, how did it go? We had right at 1500 today. A very, very choice offer, and I thought of calves, yearlings, also about 275 cows, I think we ended up with about 20 bulls. I thought overall the market just continued to move higher with very, very strong demand. The activity was very good. Lots of buyers here today. I thought overall, looking at the stocker and steers, comparing it back to last week, they were probably 12 to $20 higher. Had a group of three steers. We ride at uh, 492 close to 500 pounds at 297 dollars out on the little four-weight steers, $1,463 some change. We had a few of those four-weights, a uh, little lighter four-weights. They brought all the way up to 335 today. So we're seeing a lot more of that increase on Monday and today on the $3 range on some of these lighter cattle. I thought the stalker heifers were probably 5 to 15 higher. A lot of activity on them. Uh, the feeder steers, when we get the bigger cattle, they were probably 10 to $20 higher. On that top end, there's just a lot of demand for those cattle up today, I thought. We had a real fancy set of black calves. There's 10 in the drag that weighed right at um, 690, uh, close to 700 pounds at 238 a pound. Those dollars out over $1,642. Then another 
fancy set of black steers. There's 36 head in that one draft. Weighed 735, brought 224 pounds. These are kids right off the mamas. They don't have a little over $1,646 on those. I know the feeder heifers will probably get those, uh, five to 15 iron. Had a group of heifers, I think four heifers that weighed 660 at 220 a pound, $1,452 on those. Packer cows, I felt, were probably a one to two higher. Bulls, I thought, were already steady. Maybe, uh, probably just as a whole, fully steady on those, I would think. Pears and bread cows, I thought they were probably two to four hundred dollars higher this whole week. And instances on a really good kind, maybe higher than that, even. These rains have really helped uh, establish the grass now. People growing some, and, and these calf prices going up have really been beneficial for the pears and bread cows. So, overall, very, very good week this uh, week, Larry. Uh, market extremely good. Ken Jordan, jordancatalogs.com. Telephone number, please. You bet, Eric. Code 325 372. 5159, Larry. Neighbor, that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks so much for listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs were mixed in Monday's trade. The nearby June contract down 70 cents, 87.17. July hogs up $1.97, 91.60. Class 3 milk slightly lower. June milk down a penny, 15.10, 100 weight. July milk down three at 15.94, 100. The cotton market closed slightly lower. We had the USDA WASDE report out on Friday. It didn't contain much news to move the market either way, so traders now keeping an eye on the weather and waiting on the outcome of the Federal Reserve's two-day meeting this week. July cotton finishing 55 points lower, 83.49. October down 21 at 83.64. December cotton down 50 points at 81.32 cents. Big jump in the corn market today. Double-digit gains as weather fears continue to creep into the market. The Midwest Corn Belt, very dry right now. And the forecast not calling for a whole lot of rain. So traders building in some weather premium into the corn market right now. July corn up 13 cents, closing at 6.17 and a quarter. September corn up 19, 5.43 and a half, with December corn up 18 and three quarters, 549 and a quarter. Not a lot of movement in the hard wheat market on Monday. July wheat down one and a quarter, 796 and a half. July Chicago wheat was up three and a half, 633 and three quarters. In the energy markets, July natural gas up a penny, 227. July West Texas crude dropped 310. 6707 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 174 points at 34,051. The Nasdaq up 190, 13,449. The S&P up 36 points at 4,335. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.